And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. most who made the most out of the word holla in professional wrestling doc manson at doc manson teddy long or scott steiner uh definitely teddy long okay because big papa pump is your hookup holla if you hear me yeah but holla 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 player has three times as much holla that's true triple the holla indeed all right, fair enough. Well, I just wanted to make sure I wanted to make sure we start this show with the hard-hitting topics that the neighborhood demands. There we uh, are. Who who in the neighborhood demanded that, and can I unfollow them? Uh, nobody. But I oh. wanted to talk. I wanted so my thought process was I was going to be like, all right, I'll start with a Teddy Long thing and do the holla holla holla. Except I couldn't remember anything else he said besides Haterade, and I don't think those two things went together. So uh, then I just we are going to have ourselves a tag team match. Well, yes, players. When you're the when you're the GM of SmackDown on a one brand show, that's all you can do. Mm. That is all you can do. Well, we are here, ladies and gentlemen. On a beautiful Thursday evening in snowy New England, I am DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI, joined as always by Doc Manson at Doc Manson. That's me. Uh, what a week in professional wrestling. It was a good couple of days of programming. Yeah, what a week. What a week. I mean, uh, there were highs, there were lows. Um, there was... Were there lows? Would, oh, you, there, would you say? There was would crushing, you... utter disappointment this week, I would say. Really? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I don't want to start there necessarily, but now I'm almost curious because I was writing down outside of like little things like what are they oh, no. doing with Cesaro and why can't I would Rusev say win a match? My most disappointing moment of 2017 occurred this week. Did it occur on Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday? Let me see if I can try to discern what it was. Uh, it actually happened on Wednesday. Oh, okay. That low. That that low. Extremely. The low. Lucha Underground low is oh, what you're referring to. Why did to. you lie to me? I didn't. I swear it said February 15th. Chris I Hawk, he says that you lied to all of us. And no, frankly, DC, I, I got, think he might be right. I got bad information. All right. Mm-hmm. The information was real. It's just that the facts were fake. To quote. You know, or to paraphrase a press conference that may or may not have happened today, given by the leader of maybe the free world. Um, I was I read information that said February 15th. Now I'm being told it's being pushed to spring. They love name pushed or was it never on March 15th? People would have to go well, look. But I mean, I actually, I guess you, it was never on March 15th. It was February 15th, I suppose. But yeah. anyways, that's neither here nor there. Uh, yes, but I was really disappointed with that, um, and to only find out that it wasn't actually going to launch on the fifteenth, like literally maybe a day beforehand, after having looking, having been looking forward to it for an extended period of time, that was rather disappointing, I have to say. But to your point, there was a lot of great wrestling earlier this week, wasn't there? There was indeed. Ah, aha, aha. Cage side seats. Court Bauer, who is a you know, if you type in 
Lucha Underground. It says February 15th. I quoted Dirt Sheets. Now, maybe that was my own fault for quoting that sort of reputable news sites. I didn't get triple confirmation or anything like so that. So are you saying that Cage Side Seats is not a reputable source? I'm saying Court Bauer in Major League Wrestling is generally considered to be a reputable source, and they said February 15th. But now you are calling their integrity into question. This has been a hard-hitting episode of DDT Wrestling, and we're only four minutes in. Is Lucha Underground on Netflix right now? No. Uh, Is it past February 15th? Yes. So therefore, I am calling them a little bit into question because the information that I got and then proceeded to give out to the neighborhood, for I have no original material of my own, I can only quote and cite what I find, was incorrect. And now it, it is it is a, a bane on my character and I need to cleanse myself of it by blaming others. That's always the best way to cleanse oneself. Thank you. Just just brush that dirt off onto other people whose fault it was. You drink Agreed. a lot of Gatorade. Well, this has been split over the last three nights, so. Oh. What what kind is that? Is it like an this, Arctic blast? This is referred to as Glacier Cherry. How would you define the taste profile of Glacier Cherry? Uh, it tastes like cherry. Where does the glacier come from? The color. Which is sort Do of an off white. Doesn't it feel weird to you to, like, you know, I, I you're obviously you're familiar with the Stroop effect. Anyone who took basic level psychology in college is familiar with the Stroop effect where you write the words, you know, you write color words in different colors. So the word is yellow, but it's written in green and it's supposed to mess with your brain and it makes it difficult for you to actually read those words because you're fighting the actual color of it. I have a similar thing when it comes to the combination of sight and taste. If I'm drinking something, if I were to drink that, it's white, but it's supposed to taste like cherry, which is red. It would bother me. Uh, I'm glad to hear that because that's a great segue into something else I wanted to do on the pod tonight. I have here something for tasting purposes. Uh, As you can see, this is... Oh my goodness. What in the... Where did you dig that up? Is that back? Is that a thing again? Uh, Folks, Crystal Pepsi has returned. This was... was When was this? The end of the 80s or the 90s? When was Crystal Pepsi? We were kids. It was... Yeah, I would say probably the beginning of the 90s because we were, you know... I remember buying it like in a store with my own money, which must have made me at least of a certain age and being, it was just like, I, I didn't understand how to, how to process a cola taste in a clear form. And so, yes, it's literally, that's how it's described on the label. Crystal Pepsi, clear cola. Now, let me ask you a question, uh, DC Matthews, because uh, you just admitted to having imbibed uh, Crystal Pepsi previously in life. Do you think that Crystal Pepsi tastes like Pepsi? Or, no. oh no. What does it taste like then? Um, a terrible variation of Pepsi. 
I never enjoyed Crystal Pepsi. Now I it's now been, that's that's it's been common... probably twenty plus years since I've ever had it. So I would I might need to try it again to see if that's still real. But when I hear Crystal Pepsi or when I saw that, there was like a twinge in my occipital about it. So, so I mean, I'll be honest with you. That's a pretty common opinion from what I've read. Uh, people on the internet they, they tend to think that it was not very good and that it tasted different. So I'm looking it up now on Wikipedia. It looks like it was sold from 1992 to 1993. Um, yeah, so we were, to nine, see here. we were nine and ten. History at that time. Tab clear was intended to born to die. It's a suicidal kamikaze effort. Billions in debt. Medicinal. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Okay, so I'm not seeing anything Welcome here. Welcome to the great podcast. I where know. Doc but... Manson skims through Wikipedia. I think that could be air. a show. That could totally be a show. But in all fairness, I, again, I think it's pretty common that people think that this thing doesn't taste right. And my question to you, sir, is: Does this actually not taste like Pepsi, or? To your point about the Stroop effect, is it simply someone looking at this bottle where they're clearly, you know, it's clear. It's as clear as water. And you're looking at it and your brain is thinking, okay, this can't possibly taste like cola. Is it just, so is it just a brain thing or is it actually different? I, I would have to look at the, I would assume it has to be different because, you know, uh, the syrup that, you know, if you've ever worked in fast food, which I have, and you've had to work with the fast food soda machines, there's syrup and water that is combined to make the beverage along with, of course, carbonation. Because I do know that soda is carbonated, unlike beer from last show, which I wasn't sure. Um, but, you know, I would it would be hard for me to envision a syrup that would be able to be, I almost am just, you know, and it almost seems like it would not be able to be viscous enough in its clear form. Whatever the ingredients are that make up cola, I don't understand how you can make it in a clear form. All right, so I'm going to go I, – I wish I had done this correctly. I wish that I had gotten myself a bottle of regular Pepsi and Crystal Pepsi. I would put a blindfold on. We would do a blind taste test here, but I, I don't have any actual Pepsi. I haven't drank actual Pepsi in years, so I can't really offer a valid comparison here, but I'm going to go ahead and op take a big swig of this Crystal Pepsi, and I will let you know. <sighs> okay. Um, it's crisp. Let me see. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Swishing it around there. Um, I think it's a little... It's very similar. It is very similar, I think, as far as I remember. My, my memory of Pepsi. Um, but I think it is... It, it's lighter. I don't know what they use to, to make... Pepsi that dark color. I don't know if it's brown sugar or caramel or molasses or, or what, but I think there's a heaviness well, that's, that's not present. Yeah, when you know when you drink real 
full-on Coke or Pepsi. There is a – almost in the same way I would imagine people feel when they drink a Guinness. People have said that. When you drink a Guinness, it's almost like an entire meal in and of itself. In a way, that's kind of like what a regular Coke or regular Pepsi is. There is that – and I guess you are absolutely right. It's Whether it's molasses or a caramel sort of thing, I don't think you can create that in a clear form. So it, it's, it probably is a decent analog, but I don't know that it's the real deal Holyfield sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's probably different, but unless I had them side by side, I think if I was blindfolded right now, like I, I would guess that's probably just Pepsi. It tastes like cola to me. Um, but again, side by side, maybe I would feel differently. I think this is an interesting subject because this then carries into a lot of different things. For example, are you able to discern the difference between Sprite and Seven Up? I feel like I I don't know if I could do it cold right now because I haven't had either of those drinks in a very long time. But I do feel as though with proper training, I could tell the difference between Sprite and 7-Up. Well, the whole idea is that you're not supposed to have the proper training. It's supposed to be, you know, you're supposed well, to be able I'm, to figure it okay. out on your own. Well, um, what I'm, saying, what I'm is, saying Well, what I'm saying is I think that the flavor profiles of Sprite and 7-Up are different enough that it wouldn't be difficult to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, this, I think, would be more difficult. Well, and what I'm, we have permission here. You know, we're not telling tales out of school. This show always is where we talk shop. We have permission from one Jason Maltov of the New Age Insiders um, to take DDT rest or to take a private earful rather our weekend. I will take DDT wrestling wherever I dang well please, good well, sir. I- and I have no problem with that. We're at the 13-minute mark, and the only wrestling we've talked is Teddy Long and Lucha Underground. And I'm okay with that, but I'm saying a private earful may be veering away from wrestling and just heading – and I think we should set up an in-person taste test with various soft drinks, whether or not it's the difference between A&W root beer and another root beer, Sprite and 7-Up. I was going to say you know, orange soda and grape soda. That might be really easy to figure out because also – you know, I do an experiment with my kids. I'm sure I've talked about it on the air where with your eyes closed, it's very hard to discern which Skittle is which. That's fair. Like, you know what I mean? We are we are very qualified candidates for food experiments like this, especially on a show that's audio only. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's going to be great. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy your Crystal Pepsi. You seem to. You've, you've had a couple of swigs of it. So. It seems all right. It's, it's, it's definitely drinkable. I don't know that I'll buy another uh, bottle. Mm-hmm. But I saw it on the stands there, and the nostalgia hit me right in the cockles of my heart. And I, I said, I have to drink this on the podcast. Well, and another thing I think we should do, because we are fortunate enough to be relatively local um, to an independent soda plant. It's called Hosmer Mountain. I grew up 15 minutes or so from it. There's one in a a, a very somewhat nearby town, and they have a variety. They have strawberry soda. They have a sassafras soda. They have birch beer. I, again, it doesn't cost that much to procure... You know, a thing I think on another future in-person show. What I'm what I'm really saying is I'd like to see you in person more. What often you're really back. saying is you'd like to get together and drink soda. 
truthfully, I don't even need to see you. I just want soda. Yeah, fair enough. Fair it's enough. been about it's been about four weeks on a uh, we're we're doing a weight loss competition at work, and I'm currently in the lead. Uh, Congratulations! Thank you. But uh, it's you know there are certain things you miss, and soda oh, is one delicious of them. soda. When I used to go for drinking three twelve packs a week, two. I remember when you would drink like a three liter on a day. Along with buffalo wings. And then I totally destroyed the stomach, my stomach lining and had to cut back on that. Yeah. Is it any wonder that your stomach um, revolted, I suppose? Yeah. The body right. politic here on DDT Wrestling. Uh, let's get into actual wrestling. Um, we've got a lot of big stories. Uh, let's start with Elimination Chamber, though, because that's the, you know, we previewed it in last week. Uh, my predictions were terrible. Were they? Of the, I, I don't know if I still, I do still have them. I saved them. Of the seven that uh, matches we predicted and predicted, I got one right. And I, give, and I give myself a pass because it was the main event. You, however, predicted Becky Lynch, American Alpha, and Randy Orton. So you were three for seven. I was one for seven. All right. Well, I can do better next time. So, uh, well, and I think, what is it, a week or two? A week or two till we'll be predicting and predicting Fastlane, the great uh. Goldberg, Kevin Owens match. Yeah, let's go ahead and predict that right now. Samoa Joe, Sami Zayn. Hey, that's good. Goldberg Owens, I'm not a fan of, but. It's going to be great when Kevin Owens retains. We will come back to that. Let's get back to Elimination Chamber. Bray Wyatt is your WWE champion. He has defeated, he defeated John Cena and AJ Styles in the Elimination Chamber and then defeated them again in a triple threat match on SmackDown. Doc Manson, what sort of crazy world are we living in? I'm going to get accused of being a negative Nancy on this one. But let me preface this by saying I am very happy that Bray Wyatt is now our world champion. I think it's fantastic for him, and I am excited to see where this goes. That said. Having said that. I feel as though I need to shake the feeling of this is too little too late. Okay, that's fair. I just, I'm so down on Bray Wyatt, or at least I have been in the not-so-recent past, that I feel like they have such a deficit that they need to overcome. Uh, I, I just, I just... I don't know how they're going to do it. And to some extent, you know, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that just means the highs are going to be that much higher. You know, I mean, I said it before. I'm excited that he is the champion. I'm happy for him. I want to see where it goes. Would I feel that way if I felt as though he hadn't been sort of unjustly denied all these years i i don't know so so maybe it's already working in their favor it's hard to say i think i totally do agree with you there is a steep uphill climb 
that Bray Wyatt needs to. Somebody had, I think, had posted something about you know his win loss record since 2015 or maybe in 2015 was something like it was abysmal. It was a handful of wins and 91 losses. Like it was, it was just bad. And he is, you know, if you think of all of his major feuds, he lost pretty much every single one of them. However, if they're going to turn the corner, they have done it masterfully so far. Because if you just started watching wrestling in 2017, say, and there are fans who have done so, uh, Bray Wyatt looks like the most dominant wrestler that there's ever been. Um, so they're doing a very good job trying to quickly rebuild his legitimacy. But as longtime fans, uh, there there needs to be more. He needs to walk into WrestleMania as champion, and he needs to walk out of WrestleMania as champion. I think, and then if that happens, then I'll be... I'm already on board anyways. I love Bray Wyatt. It was a wonderful moment to see him win. Um, you actually got to see a few... He had a few seconds of legitimate, not-in-character like excitement and happiness. And then he totally came back into character on Sunday. Or at least that's how I interpreted it. Um, but uh, now let's take it into SmackDown. Randy Orton ended that show. This is actually what I thought you were going to mention before the Lucha Underground thing. Uh, Randy Orton has essentially forfeited his, his Rumble victory uh, because... He is but a servant to Bray Wyatt. And continuing their trend of making talking smack necessary watching, and I give uh, WWE full credit for that, uh, there is now going to be a battle royal to determine a number one contender. Uh, thoughts? Luke Harper is going to become the number one contender, and then Randy uh, Orton is going to go into the match to quote-unquote, protect Bray Wyatt. I believe that is, ex you are exactly right. I, you know, I don't mind because I'm going to get Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper in a world title match. I feel like I've stepped into a parallel dimension here. Um, but it is, you know, it is an interesting thing. And then does, does Orton then turn on Bray in that match? Does Orton stay the course? Does Harper wind up? Helping Bray get the victory, you know, and I suppose that's part of the intrigue heading into WrestleMania season is we're not sure what's going to happen, but uh, now, that what does seem if, to be the writing on the wall. What if SmackDown decides, okay, we're going to hold a battle royal to determine our number one contender. Therefore, the Royal Rumble winner's title match technically has been forfeit. The Battle Royal is a separate opportunity. So that means on Raw next week, uh, Shane McMahon can meet with his sister, Stephanie McMahon, and I think they could probably negotiate a term here in which, uh, since the winner of the Royal Rumble has forfeited his opportunity, it will therefore go to the runner-up, which would be Roman Reigns. I don't know what's worse. A, that's exactly what could happen. Or B, the fact that you're slightly amused in a terrified way 
with the fact that that could happen. I, and I don't know that that will happen, but it certainly is kind of that roundabout logic that WWE goes for. It sure is. And it's a sure great way to have Roman Reigns win a second. Well, I guess he didn't win the Royal Rumble last year, right? Triple H did. But yeah. either way, it's it's a still a good roundabout way to get him to win another Rumble match and to get him into that picture at WrestleMania through. So are we going to and, f- and and also avoiding the riots that would have occurred at the Rumble had that occurred? True, true. And then we're going to get the greatest fatal four way match that's ever happened as champion Bill Goldberg defends against Brock Lesnar, The Undertaker. And Roman Reigns. Can't wait to see it. Um, I would love, and, and I understand the purist in me, the wrestling and purist in me says Orton has to be involved in some way because you can't negate what the Royal Rumble has meant for the past 25 years or so. However, I'd love for them to go in a completely different direction and all of a sudden... AJ Styles just wins the Battle Royal. Now Orton's not even in the picture at all. Orton goes and does something else. And it's AJ Styles versus Bray Wyatt in a match that we've all wanted to see but didn't expect to. Because otherwise, what is AJ Styles lined up to do? The rumor, which I don't believe, but it's the rumor, is Shane McMahon. All right. Well, yeah, I've heard that rumor too. But based off of what happened on SmackDown this week... I mean, we we honestly have no placement for him currently, right? They have not. It depends hinted. on what ha- it depends on what happens with John Cena. I could see them deciding, you know what, their matches have been so good, we're going to book them in a thirty minute Iron Man match to fill time at WrestleMania because it's a long show, and they're going to have a thirty minute Iron Man match to determine the true, you know, face that runs the place. It could, you know, you throw in the stipulation, the loser has to leave SmackDown. And all of a sudden now, without having to use the draft, you've moved AJ or John Cena to Raw. But I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by AJ versus Shane. But um, I think a lot of people, you know, the problem with having so many amazing fan favorite talents, and WWE is full of them, is that everyone's going to have someone. They They do. You don't like them. You don't like them, but they're there. Okay, People's... so there's AJ Styles in. Uh, I'm talking about SmackDown here. Fan favorites. There's AJ Styles and people like and... John Cena. Even people like John Cena, even if they give him a hard time. People I don't like. I, Dean. I don't. I do not think I would qualify him as a fan favorite, given the well, response not, that he gets. I'm not well, but I'm saying like, for I'm saying. Online wrestling fan favorites. People like Dean Ambrose. People like AJ Styles. People like John Cena. No, they don't. Online Pe- wrestling fan favorites? They don't like online, John Cena. Online wrestling fans have gone completely round the bend on John Cena, and there is now a if maybe it's I a think they went respect. all the way around the bend until he won the title just recently, and now they've rebounded back to sort of not liking him again. And now that he's nope. lost it, maybe they'll start liking him again. I haven't seen. I haven't seen that. Oh, I, have. I haven't seen that. Everyone thought he deserved it. It was good, and now you know. The end. They're happy. And, you know, I think more – I would guess, and I could be wrong, but I would guess more fans – well, no, that's probably not true. 
I guess more of my followers like him than don't, but I can't use that as a microcosm of the entire online Echo chamber. Yeah, I'm I'm agreeing. I'm admitting it. Okay. So and fan favorites on Raw, we've got um Seth Rollins. Nope. Denied. Yeah, for you say that. <laughs> um Finn Balor. Denied. Um I would say there's Kevin Owens Kevin and Chris Owens. Jericho. And that's about it. Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho, Rusev, Sami Zayn, Samoa no. Joe. Nope. Yes. Maybe Samoa Joe. Anyways, right. let's, like, where were we going with this? Uh, just you were you asked where age where what makes sense now for AJ Styles, and it's a very good question because I can't tell you. Um, you know, I had an idea for this show, but since we spent a long time on Crystal Pepsi, I'm okay avoiding it. If you had to, I, what I was curious about, and maybe I'll ask the neighborhood this since they never seem to email us despite the fact that we ask them all the time. Um, where do you, if right now, February 16th, right now, or the 17th, if that's when you're listening, um, if you had to write down what you think's going to happen at WrestleMania, what would it be? What do you mean? Book WrestleMania. If right now you I had to I did that write... the last episode. Did you? I think so. Remember, I went on a big ranting, rambling thing where I was like, it's going to be Chris Jericho versus Kevin Owens. It's going to be John Cena and Nikki Bella versus The Miz and Maurice. It's going to be The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg. It's going to be etc., etc., etc. It was really hard to listen to you last week because you sounded like... And I didn't sound like that on the actual podcast last week. I fixed it. I appreciate that, but to me, it sounded like you were, you know, about to become, you know, in the opera. You were going to play Gaston. Have you seen the Beauty and the Beast trailer, the live action one? Yes, I have. Are you going to see that movie? Yes. It looks pretty good. Yeah. And I know it's just because they pretty much did a shot for shot redo of the animated one, but I want to see it. It still looks pretty good. Are you going to see Logan? Eventually. In theaters? Doubt it. All right. Just I checking. want to see Logan. Okay, so you want to see Logan. So this is more that you want to see it, you just don't think you will see it. Correct. I'll have my people talk to your people. And sure. we can talk to we can talk to the best guy in the whole world, GQ's people. He has people? Well, yes, he has people. He has adoring fans. Throngs of them. Throngs of adoring fans who worship his every move, as they should, for he is wonderful. Yes, he is. You know who else is wonderful? Your new SmackDown Women's Champion, Naomi. Oh, yeah, I'm less thrilled with that. The match was really short. Because she's not very good. I know. (laughs) But I just... I, I was just surprised. You had this Alexa. They, they seem to be doing a very nice job with this Alexa Bliss title run. I will also say this. Alexa Bliss is not especially good either. I think Alexa Bliss is at a point where she can be brought into a great match by another performer. Mm-hmm. But Naomi is not that performer. So I think they kept it short 
and I think that was probably a wise decision. So where do we where are we going with this heading into WrestleMania? Is it Naomi uh, Alexa pre-show. Bliss rematch? Yeah, you're probably not wrong, but at the same time, the match itself, I can't, I I see this now as it's Mickey, Alexa, Becky, Naomi, which I suppose is the way I've always seen it. But I really don't think that they're going to do, at the moment, we're talking about triple threat matches like all over the place. We're we're seeing a triple threat on SmackDown. We're seeing a four-way for the women's title on Raw. You're talking about a four-way for the women's title on SmackDown. You're talking about... Like, I, I, I don't think it's possible. It's not unprecedented. It's not unprecedented. We're talking about a you... three-way match between Undertaker, Lesnar, and Goldberg. Like, that's so many multi-person matches. I find it very but, difficult to yes, believe. Yes, you're absolutely right. But at the same time, there was a WrestleMania. I'm looking it up now. It was either X7 or X... I mean, I believe you that it's happened before, but eight. I still find it incredibly unlikely. Well, it's like it's I, like when you take a multiple choice exam and you start going and cruising like, OK, I know this. I got this. And then you suddenly look down at your bubble sheet and you realize, wait a minute, B, 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 B. And I'm pretty sure the next one is B. OK, that can't be right. There's no way. There's no way that the next one is also B. Somebody's messing with me. Somebody's messing with me. That's exactly what's going on. here. There's no way you can have that many multi-person matches at a WrestleMania. But how else do you get? the the number of people you need into this. Oh, it was, it was all right. So again, this was WrestleMania 2000, arguably considered one of the worst WrestleManias ever. I think my point stands. Tag team match, hardcore battle royal, tag team match, triple threat match, cat fight, six person intergender tag team match, triple threat match which was a two-fall triple threat match, tag team match, four-way elimination match. The only singles match of that entire pay-per-view was Terry Runnels defeating the Cat. Sounds like an excellent match. Well, it took two minutes and 26 seconds, which might have been... Did they do it in a mud pit? It was a cat fight. Hmm. One of them was called the Cat. Mm -hmm. Of course it was a cat fight. That makes perfect sense. So, you know, I think they've we're going to see more multi-man matches than usual because they've got to get all of this talent onto this show, and they can't just do it with a battle royal. I've got a, a solution. We could not have Seth Rollins on the show or Triple H or Roman Reigns. Or Finn Balor. We could save a lot of time if we just emo- omitted some of those 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 talents, I think that would be just fine well, for me. At least work, you're at works least for me. You're save, at least you're saving room for Shaq. Yes, I think that is a well deserved match uh, that has been years in the making, and I am looking forward to the culmination of. Yeah, okay, I can't pretend to be interested in that no, either. That that can you. that can stay off the cart too. Um, um, yeah, the chamber match itself. What did you think of the new chamber? The new chamber. I liked it. Honestly, I, I loved lo- it. I loved the look. I loved it. It seems like it's way more accessible for the performers. And what I mean by that is they have less difficulty navigating the walls and climbing and getting on top of the pods to do some of those, you know, high risk aerial moves. It mm-hmm. seems like there's just a higher degree of mobility 
having gotten rid of the curvature of the chamber, and I oh, think absolutely. that's a great decision. Great decision. Because if you go if you go back and watch the first one, when RVD hits the five star frog splash, he can't get any no. vertical. He Correct. just falls. Yes, he just falls on it. Correct. Um, I also thought this one was much more accessible to the fan. It was. It was. There were very few times where you're watching it through the 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 cage itself was separated yes. enough so that you could see what was happening. And the fact that when you got up onto the pods, there was a plexiglass window. That was awesome. Uh, I love the overhead view. Yep. Where they were doing the flashing lights and which pod is it going to be next? And just that X and the WWE logo. and the, It was a great visual. Like, that was really well, cool. And there was a hole in the top, which I know there's always been, but I was like, oh, my God. I was just expecting AJ to hand over hand pull himself up so he was literally standing on Was top. there a hole on top? There there was a round hole, I believe. Well, the, the reason top. why the reason why I say that is because when they did the aerial shot and there was the WWE logo, I presumed that was printed on like a piece of plexiglass that was covering that center portion because there was no WWE on the mat. It's not like the logo oh, was maybe, on the canvas. Right. Maybe that was it. Maybe it looked like there was a hole, but it didn't end up being. Maybe there was a cap to it. Either that or I, the WWE thing was, you know, digitally inserted. That's also possible. I yeah, because I was expecting, I'm like, AJ's going to do like a 450 from the top of the chamber because he's a crazy person. Um, it was great. And and it was just like I the Miz, the whole thing where the Miz's chamber opens and he doesn't come out. Because <laughs> Corbin's, Corbin's there like, you know, the whole thing they set up. If it's going to be Ambrose, Miz, Corbin, or if it's just going to be Ambrose, Corbin in some sort of street fight, they set that up beautifully. Um, it was a really well done uh, match overall that I really enjoyed. I am excited for the next chamber match because the physical setup is such that I'm like, there's way more. Th- you know, the the pods had a thing, so Kalisto can't get stuck again like he did in the tag team one where he just kept sliding through because he's so small. Oh, it was good. And then the only other thing I wanted to mention from the Elimination Chamber and SmackDown itself is the Ascension is is doing something. They're not winning, but they're at least looking decent they are before a losing. Featured performers on the show once more. Uh and I, I will agree with your tweet you sent out. I, I share your unpopular opinion. David Otunga is not terrible, but I it feels like he's got – I tweeted this out. It feels like he's got index cards that are numbered with lines on them, and there's somebody backstage that just goes, David, say 36. Say 36 now. And he just reads the card, but it works because he's might. not – he's not terrible. Yeah, he, he's, he's definitely showing signs – of improvement, and you could argue that's not difficult given how abysmal he was. But you know, I think it has been tolerable more so. My recently. unpopular opinion is that Maro Ronaldo on SmackDown—he's good on Two Hundred Five Live, but I don't. I think, think he's part good. of the problem on SmackDown is they've—they have this four-person booth, and they actually don't let him talk enough so when he does come in it's just this over-the-top ridiculous stuff I, I don't feel like he's able to develop on smackdown well enough i, well, I feel more just, like they're telling him to get out of the way of that new guy whatever his name is 
Tom Phillips. That's the one. I like Tom Phillips, and I think he's doing. You know, I w- I almost think that's part of the key is Morrow should do that. You know, and focus on calling it because, and it just for whatever reason, I don't know if it's Vince or if it's just JBL or what, but it seems like any time Morrow Ronaldo makes the slightest mistake, they're all over him about it. Yeah, just they are constantly. And, and it's too bad because I honestly think he's one of the best announcers that has been in that company in the last 15 years. Uh, I like him a lot, but I'm not enjoying his SmackDown work as much as I expected to. Sure. And again, maybe that's because there's 84 people at that booth. Could be. Did Did you say you had topics to bring up or was that Crystal Clear Pepsi? Was that I do were? have another topic if you'd like to talk about it. Let's go. I, I love when you get to steer the ship. Take me on a journey, Doc Manson at Doc Manson. All right, so let me preface this by saying I am not interested in having a political discussion. Oh, God. Okay. So, I, I'm more interested in the idea here, folks. So please, stick with me while I explain. Uh, this one actually it's originated as a tweet from Rob at Ringside Center on Twitter. He sent me a tweet that basically just consisted of an article from the Washington Post. And again, just stick with me because I am not interested in the political side of this. But here's the title of this article. An American who channels President Trump in the ring becomes Mexico's biggest wrestling villain. Okay, so a little bit of context here. Let me give you the first pair. Let me read this through. Pro wrestler Sam Adonis is limping to a coffee shop in Mexico City when he answers the phone. He's just finished training for his next gig in the capital city, where the past four months he has been one of the most in-demand performers in the CMLL. Uh, Let me skip a little bit of this. Uh, The 27-year-old is tall and blonde, which makes him stand out in the Lucha Libre community. But he didn't become a superstar until this past November when he began playing on Mexico's anger at President Trump. And then this goes on. It's a quote from Adonis. Wrestling always kind of plays off what's happening in the mainstream media. So I was thinking about it, and I said, yeah, if Trump wins, I'm getting myself a flag with his face on it, Adonis says. And once the audience in the 16,500-seat arena in Mexico sees that big orange spot on the flag, well, you can just instantly, in one moment, feel the room change. It's a fever pitch. Okay, so that goes on and on. I encourage you guys to check it out. And one of the, actually, there's one line that I do think is kind of interesting is, you know, uh, he's hoping to recreate the passion and emotion that pro wrestling audiences used to feel four decades ago when many still thought the competition was real and that the Iron Sheik really was an enemy, enemy of the state. Adonis thought, why not? Let's play this up and uh, let's get just, you know, this big picture that, Instead of the Ayatollah, it's Donald Trump, and they'll just really make people mad. And it turned out that it worked. Okay, so here's my question for you, D.C. Matthews. And again, I'm not interested in the political side of this. Uh, In the modern-day wrestling world, I personally sort of feel like, you know, the WWE does this time and time again, you know? Uh, The most recent and obvious sort of example I can think of is they tried to make a heel out of Muhammad Hassan on the main roster some years ago, right? They were playing up that whole, the enemy of the state right now, we're at war, uh, 
with the Islamic community, and we're going to bring this person in as just this built-in, automatic sort of heel persona. Do you think that, like, Muhammad Hassan, do you think that play, do you think that type of, that, that, that type of heel heat, do you think that works today? I mean, for me personally, it didn't work at all, but do you think that that still worked for the WWE? I mean... Muhammad Hassan didn't last very long, did he? So it leads me to believe that it didn't well, work very well. You can you can use a more modern answer. He just lost to Sami Zayn on Raw. Rusev was anti-American. Even you know, even Jack Swagger and Cesaro when they did the "We the People" thing, uh, Zeb Coulter was but you, channeling. But do you think that any sort of, of anti? You're right. You're right. That's a great example. It's a great, more modern touchstone, even than Mom to Son. Uh, you know, sort of what Jeb Coulter was doing. But I, I don't think any of that was particularly effective. I always kind of look, and again, maybe my view was not the same as the wider mainstream audience, but I always kind of saw those characters as that part of what they were doing was the weakest part about their entire sort of gimmick and performance. You know what I mean? I think my problem, and I'm going to take this and actually transition it to something that happened this week of note where I share another unpopular opinion of mine. Um, the problem with those characters to me is that they are one-dimensional. Rusev is anti-American. Right. And the only time he became more than that is when he got involved in love geometry and he was throwing fish. Um the Jack Swagger and Cesaro with Zeb Coulter were 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 pro Tea Party, which in that society of you know four to eight years ago was a pretty big deal because that was just starting out. They even tried it with let's make Darren Young great again. Now they didn't go the heel route, right? But right. That was all it was, you know. And so I think when you do that, you you make it a problem, which is why I enjoy what they're doing with Mustafa Ali in the sense that he's a a character who is obviously of Muslim descent. He's from Pakistan. Um, Isn't he he from Pittsburgh? Well, he's original. They use the Pakistani heritage. Yes, he is from Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, But they're going with it in a completely different way. And his talk about when you hear my name, you automatically make assumptions of of me. And they're spinning it differently than they usually do. As opposed to Arya Davari, who comes out with the headpiece and all of that. And now he's not going an anti-American route, which I appreciate. But it is a very, you know, all you know about Arya Davari is that he lost to Jack Gallagher and he's got the headgear. That's all you know. And so I think, you know, that's the problem. I think you hit it on the head when you said that an over-reliance on that gimmick makes them Mm one-dimensional. And I think as a story person, that has been traditionally my problem with those types of gimmicks. So let me transition this back to the article in the Washington Post, the Sam Adonis character. Uh, I don't know much about him. Obviously, I haven't seen his work. Uh, But do you – my question, I guess, is – it sounds like this is working very successfully in Mexico. It sounds like those audiences hate his guts, want to murder him. It sounds like he, he's really tapping into a vein there, and it's working. And I'm just wondering, does, what does that mean in terms of 
you know, the mainstream Mexican audience and their ability to engage in kayfabe in this day and age, is that is that kind of reaction possible here in the States anymore? Could they put together a character like this locally, domestically, I suppose is what I mean, and and get this same sort of response? Is that even yeah. possible anymore? Yes. If they were able to find something that was universally despised. I would assume, again, I've never been to Mexico. I know very little about the Mexican culture, but I would presume there are very few people in that country who are pro what Sam Adonis is doing. Unless you appreciate it from an artistic standpoint, which is a completely different thing. And they go into that in the article. He says there are lots of people who do come up to him afterwards and sort of tell him, you know, it's great to have a good bad guy, like someone who we can really get behind disliking. You know what I mean? So there does seem to be that segment of the audience that appreciates it at the higher level. Um, So it's not a complete buy-in across the board. But but that's what you would need to find, because if you had somebody who tried that exact thing, if you had Sam Adonis take his exact character with the flag, which I saw, I googled him, um, and you put him on Raw, he's not going to have that same kind of reaction because there's going to be a significant amount of the population who's going to cheer him because they appreciate what he's doing. If there was something that we could, you know, 100% get behind, Muhammad Hassan is a good example for you to bring up because that happened soon enough after 9/11 that everyone could be like, "All right, but I don't even think it was that successful then. And I agree with you that the general climate it was, was negative it was enough, but I don't for, think it for worked. a for a fleeting moment it worked. The whole thing with Eugene and Hulk Hogan, it worked for a very short period of time. I think the problem was not only was that character one-dimensional, but Muhammad Hassan was very good. The Iron Sheik lasted for as long as he lasted because it was a different time, but also he was a very good wrestler and he could keep that gimmick going He to the point where he changed his character to be Colonel Mustafa and... Right. Joined up with Sergeant Slaughter in the 90s. Like, he right. was able to to evolve that a little bit. So, you know, Muhammad Hassan, there was no way they were going to do that. And it got to the point where WWE pulled the plug because, you know, and that's the one thing I would worry, I would say to Sam Adonis, hey, I love what you're doing. But if you want to bring it back to four decades ago, you were, you were like, there were riots. People were, you know, trying to stab you. If that's what you're going for, great. But, you know, that's the era of Hatpin Mary, who was a female wrestling fan who would be in the crowd in the front row. And she literally, when the heels came up by her, she would take her hat pins out of her hat and try to stab them. If that's really what you want to do, uh, okay, you know, it'll it'll make the newspapers, you know, you're being written about in the Washington Post. Um, Now, since we're talking about one dimensional characters, I wanted to pivot to something. By all means, I, that was that a was great, great. conversation. So. I loved this is up there already. I know we're only fifty minutes in, but this is up there already. I feel like we're we're in a good place with this episode, and I don't want to bring it to a screeching halt. Um, but we're talking about one dimensional characters, so let's talk about Bailey. Because let's let's, let's talk about Bailey. Uh, before you explain anything the one thing i want to mention about bailey is this was essentially bailey's first sort of main event match 
uh, on Raw. It was for the title against Charlotte, the first sort of major, um, you know, match that she's been involved with on the Raw program in the main event slot. Uh, certainly a slot that was shared by Charlotte and Sasha earlier this year, or maybe late last year, I guess more likely. But uh, the thing that I want to point out is just prior to the main event, I- I'm going fuzzy on my numbers here. It was either 34 or 38%, but whatever number that is correct, let's say 34, go with the lower side, 34% of the teenage female audience turned off the show. It's an unprecedented drop in that demographic. And that's important because what that says is it was not a negative reaction to a women's match in the main event by that demographic. It was not a negative reaction to a Charlotte title match in that time slot by that demographic. It suggests that it was due to that character, Bailey not connecting with them as an audience that they turned it off. Do you really think teenage girls are the audience for Bailey? Well, that's a great question. And you know, I think at first glance some people might assume that maybe maybe not the primary audience, but you'd think that they might be able to get behind her. The more I've thought about this, that I began to look at it a different way, and I think maybe you naturally looked at it this way, but you know, I start thinking about it, and to me, maybe the issue is a teenage girl might see some of herself in Bailey. You know, there's an awkwardness to her. There's a certain amount of – I think it awkward, I think, is the right word. And let's face it, wrestling is meant to be escapist entertainment, so I think that might be an uncomfortable mirroring that – they are not interested in watching. Instead, they want to see the, the the beauty queen. They want to see the boss. They want to see those strong female characters that they aspire to be. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Because I was going to say, I've done enough. I worked in middle school for a while. Not doing it anymore, but I've done it. And I've worked enough with that. They want Sasha Banks. They yes. want they want the they want the character that they wish they could be. Right. They don't want the character of nerd done good. You know, the core audience for Bailey are kids. Kids. Ten and under kids. And any older wrestling fan, probably male, but I'll you know who wished when they were a kid that they could be a professional wrestler because for them, for an adult, this is a completely different thing. It is about the girl who, you know, you look at a picture of her when they show the kid pictures, every single one of us has something like that at home. There's a picture of, you know, there's a picture of me. I'm pretty sure meeting Owen Hart. You know what I mean? If I was in Bailey's position, if I had put in the time and the dedication to become a professional wrestler, if I had even the slightest bit of athletic skill in my body, that would be the picture you would see. You would see young nerd DC with his big Coke bottle glasses and his buzz cut meeting, uh, you know, meeting Owen Hart at the access for WrestleMania. Well, it wasn't access. It was fan fest for WrestleMania 11. Um, and, you know, that's it. That's, you know, that's who likes Bailey. 
teenage girls aren't going to like Bailey. And it's because she is completely and totally one-dimensional. It is nerd done good. And my worry is, this is a great moment, obviously not to the point that I think WWE was hoping for, but what in the world do you do after the Sasha heel turn happens and they play that out? There are only, a, you know, she's done the Charlotte story now. I'm sure that'll continue to in some form or fashion heading into WrestleMania. Then you play out the Sasha card. And then what? And then it's all Nia Jax all the time. No, I'm serious. We're going to see a Bailey Nia Jax program following WrestleMania. Probably not for the time. I don't think Bailey leaves WrestleMania champion. I mean, I thought that she was going to leave WrestleMania champion, but that was before she won it. Now I have no idea. I'm guessing Charlotte Flair is going to win at WrestleMania because that's what they want to show 10 years from now in video packages. I think Charlotte walks in champion. I think I think Charlotte regains the title at Fastlane and it oh, continues. Is it, are they, do they have a rematch at Fastlane? They have to. They have if, to. if they do, then yes, Charlotte wins because she's not yeah, going to lose her because, pay-per-view streak now. No. Uh, speaking of streaks, your quest is over. Emelina has been freed. She has. And uh, I don't want to say I told you so, but I told you so. Yeah, you did. It didn't quite happen the way that I described it in my article, but uh, she's totally just right back to being evil Emma. At least I assume so. That's certainly what she implied on Raw last week. And I, for one, embrace it. I look forward to it. I liked Bad Cop Emma as a character, and I'm looking forward to to its return. There was nothing wrong with that character. We didn't I, need another beauty model. We just don't. We now, don't need on that. On NAI Pod, which I listened to literally this afternoon while I was grocery shopping, um, they speculated that, you know, it's possible that she kind of balked at the character idea at the last minute. She's, you know, you know, she saw Well, I heard that she failed in dress rehearsals. I heard that the producers did not that rumor, care for her. That performance her rumor I heard too. And you know what? Fine. If that's the case, if you know, because it takes a special kind of talent to do that kind of gimmick, which is why Eva Marie was so good, because that's where her talent lied. Her talent lied in being really cocky about being terrible. You know what I mean? Like that it's it felt that's what it felt like Fair. to me. It felt like, all right, this is kind of where we were gonna go with Eva Marie, but now she's injured or she got suspended, and now we're not sure she's ever gonna come back. Let's just give it to Emma and it didn't work. And, you know, I appreciate the fact that it kind of fizzled, but I appreciate the fact that they didn't try to force it. If the writing was on the wall, that it wasn't going to work. Have her come. I'm just disappointed that they took so long. Yes. To come to that conclusion. If they, they really should have acted on this right around the new year. And I think everybody would be much more excited even for this outcome than they are at this point. They dragged it out yes, way But too on the long. off chance that Bailey were to retain at WrestleMania, let's say she keeps the title, let's say she retains at WrestleMania. Yes. If please. Emma comes out in the boss man sunglasses and beats her down, and all of a sudden 
the post-WrestleMania feud on the Raw women's roster is Bailey versus Emma, and it's not Charlotte, and it's not Sasha Banks. It's two relatively new talents. I think people would be like, okay. I, I just went ahead and criticized Bailey for being one note. If that happened, if all of a sudden we're going to be telling a random story with Bailey and Emma that could go any number of places, I'm back in. Yeah, I think that would be a fantastic uh, turn to that division going out of WrestleMania, for sure. You said turn, which brings us to the other big event of Monday Night Raw. Kevin Owens, back to who yeah. we have talked about missing. He All of a sudden, Kevin Owens went from goofy, fun, love, and friendship Kevin Owens to the guy who turned on Sami Zayn in his very first NXT appearance. Uh, now, everybody wants to be throwing shade at Kevin Owens. Everybody wants to say, oh, oh, he he turned on Chris Jericho. He turned his back on his best friend, and he beat him down. I posit, sir, I want to put out there, I want to put forth that it was, in fact, Chris Jericho who fired the first shot that night. That night? I would say he fired the first shot that night. last week when he... Well, let's say he it was Chris Jericho who fired the final shot. He is the one who broke the camel's back. And Kevin Owens responded the only way that he could. Was it the statue? Was the statue too much? Was that the bridge too far? It was not the statue. It was not even uh, uh, what the creation of Jericho. It, it was that that man, that Chris Jericho, in his... In his pride, in his audaciousness, he, his hubris, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. He, he had this entire ceremony meant to show this festival of friendship. And yet, what did he do at the culmination, the climax of that festival? He took friendship itself. And put it upon the list of Jericho. And when Kevin Owens saw that, that Chris Jericho himself had already forsaken their friendship to such a degree as to place it upon the list, Jericho, uh, rather, KO had no choice but to respond and respond he did. Now, playing along with that thought process, had Chris Jericho not put friendship on the list, what would the present have been that Kevin gave to Chris? Um, it just it just would have been. He, a, would he have cool Would he list. have justified it? This is my list of all the cool people, and it's the only name on it. I'm not. I'm never well, adding clearly. another name. It's just you. Uh, yes, absolutely. Right. I can yes. see that. I can see that. Um, it was a great. It was a great segment. I, I thought, you know, again, uh, wrestling, we were talking about this when you were, I was thinking about this when you mentioned the Sam Adonis thing. Uh, wrestling is best when art imitates life and when there's a bit of seriousness. You could tell Chris Jericho meant what he said about this being one of his favorite runs. Obviously, the two of them had a unique chemistry and, you know, it really worked. And he he, he did a very nice job of seeming legitimately heartbroken by what was happening. And, you know, is are we heading towards Owens and Jericho at WrestleMania? We have to be, right? 
Have to be. Um, There's no other option. The only reason that gave me pause was, you know, Jericho was taken out on the stretcher. And sometimes that implies, you know, I was like, is Jericho going to forfeit Mania season to go do Fozzie stuff and come back like it? you know, money in the bank time and this feud would head into SummerSlam. And like, is that what he, you know, but I assume in a couple of, he'll take a couple of weeks off and probably show up at Fastlane. You know, this throws an interesting wrinkle into the Jericho Goldberg title. I mean, the Owens Goldberg title match, because now Jericho could come up and cost Owens. You know what I mean? Like he could, he could be the one that causes Goldberg to win the title. Or, to go with the logic that I heard on NAI Pod, he costs Goldberg the match so that he can beat Kevin Owens for the Universal title. Or, he costs Goldberg the title because that's what best friends do. They keep their promises. And they have a reunion for the ages, and Jericho goes strong, united, all forgiven into WrestleMania. That when that happened, when they when they teased the breakup and then got back together again, I was like, "You can't do this again! Like you've ruined it." And they 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 were able to they were able they to do it, it again, again and it very worked. nicely with all of that. Um, Man, wrestling's been good lately. You know, I don't I don't mean to go out of order. We do have an email from the P to the A to the V. But my just a spoiler alert, my piece of positivity is gonna be from Sunday night to Tuesday night in the world of professional wrestling. It was just three very good quality nights of programming. So you know, I could go to a specific things like the obvious, Bo Dallas got to dance and then steal ice cream plans which was hilarious luke harper's going to be potentially in the main event of wrestlemania that's exciting but it's just overall wwe's so what would joe <sighs> may i say killed it on Monday Night so Raw. good you forget when you look at him you forget that inside that destroyer is a supremely eloquent individual who just with his words can paint a amazing picture and that I liked the interview more than I liked him attacking Sami Zayn. Obviously. Absolutely. It was fantastic. Um, the only other thing I wrote down besides rest in peace, Chavo classic. Uh, the only other thing I wrote down, what is with WWE talking about black history month without actually talking about any of their wrestlers? Like, do I really need to hear Byron Saxton tell me about Rosa Parks? Like, is why? Yes. Why not talk about... I know they don't have a great track record with African-American talents, but at least try. Tell me about Big Cat Ernie Ladd. Tell me about Bobo Brazil. They occasionally do. In the past, I know, I know I've, I've seen, seen it before, but I don't know if I've seen it this year. It feels like this year they're talking about great African-Americans in history, and I'm like... Okay. There's room for I both. Suppose. And there are room for our emails, ddtwrestling at gmail.com. There's room for more emails. We've we've done shows where we've done up to 10. So uh, we love Pav. So here we go. An email from Pav. Hey, guys. 
as it's one year of emailing wow. you this week. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I'm going to copy and paste the exact same email I sent on this week last year. And see if DC's answer of only on Twitter is still the same. Before I do, come on, listeners. Where are you? Let's be having you. DDTWrestling at gmail.com. If Doc and DC can handle my brand split love, they can handle anything. DDT Wrestling. Doc and DC provide the detail. You provide the email. It's DDT Wrestling, where wrestling becomes learning. Let's support our podcast. All right, hold on, here I'm gonna goes. Stop, hold on, I'm going to stop hey there guy. for a second, because I do like that tagline. DC and Doc provide the detail, you provide the email. And I want to apologize real quick to Pav. He gave me a good idea for the neighborhood word of the day. It's been a very busy week. I haven't had the chance to do it. I hope to get back on the horse later with words. He, you know, We take the word of the day from dictionary.com and use it in a professional wrestling sense. I will get back there. I've Is that a thing? I've done it now, I think, three or four times, but I'm supposed to have done it all this week, and I've been super busy, so it hasn't happened. Oh, I've never seen it before. All right. All right, back to the email. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, guys. According to Baron Corbin's logic, whatever situation I'm in where I'm pissed off with someone, is it now basically acceptable to shout angrily at them to go back to Ring of Honor? Whether it's arguments with the spouse, traffic warden, aggressive drunks at a bar, insert situation here, by Baron Corbin's logic, it makes sense. Right? Right? I'll change my answer to go beyond only on Twitter because I think um, that moment that we're talking about is a very uh, significant moment in history because it was at that moment when Baron Corbin became a superstar in waiting and Apollo Crews became that guy. It was the moment... That was the very first moment where I found something to appreciate about Baron yes. Corbin. And it's only, you know, I could very easily see as 2017 continues, Baron Corbin's probably going to win the Intercontinental title at WrestleMania. And I could very easily see him winning money in the bank this year. He could very easily become WWE champion at some point this year. I don't believe we can say that about Apollo Crews. Seems unlikely. When, if I think back, Baron Corbin was a NXT veteran who didn't seem to be going anywhere, and Apollo Crews was this kind of rocket ship of talent. That happened, and all of a sudden things got flipped. So you know, I know that's yeah. not really the reason, but it's you know to me it certainly was. So I would say. His success record is such that I would use go back to Ring of Honor all over the place. Not with the spouse. But uh, if you're at a bar and somebody's giving you grief, not that I've been to a bar any time in the last probably decade, but uh, I would just go back to Ring of Honor. At the very least, maybe you'll get lucky. It'll be a wrestling fan who will recognize the reference and you'll make a new friend. Well, I got to say, there's a lot of wrestling fans on Twitter who don't recognize the reference because I used it, I think. The United Elimination Chamber. And I got a lot of tweets saying, uh, no, he was from Dragon's Gate. And I said, yeah, 
Yeah, that's the yeah. joke. I don't understand why people didn't remember. Like, is it just that we pay more attention to these things? We maybe we're just very attentive I, fans. But yeah, I saw that. Maybe. And I was like, come on, people. Get, yeah. Get get with yeah. Me. I love you all. I love you all. And send us an email at ddwrestling at gmail.com, and we'll read it on the air, and who knows, maybe we'll berate you too. All right, uh, let's see. Why did DC Matthews lie about the Lucha Underground date? I didn't see Hawk. I just reported my facts. And uh, how is the Twin Magic podcast not an actual thing yet? Oh, Russell Brand. Do you even get that reference? Twin Magic is the thing that Bella's Russell Brand, do. who hosts his own show with Russell Watcher Mike. Yeah, he's host of the WrestleFania pod with Russell Watcher, um, is a f- fellow teacher. And we just, you know, there is a lot of, you know, commonalities between us being wrestling fans and teachers. So we don't necessarily stay up late to watch everything. So we've occasionally talked about, you know, Twin Magic. And if I had to, when I become financially wealthy, I would like to podcast just all the time. I just want to talk wrestling forever. And I know Doc Manson wants to do that too. When he's not snowblowing. Do you survive the storm with the snowblower and everything? You're good. I'm glad I have that snowblower. Um, What's your piece of positivity? Let me tell you folks. Let me just tell you folks. When you move into a house, this is what happened to me. I was moving into this house and I said to myself, I have have, uh, the resources right now. To buy one of two things, uh, a, a riding lawnmower, because I mind you, I had access to a twenty-year-old push mower that I could inherit for free, so I, I could purchase a riding lawnmower or a snowblower. And I said to myself, "Okay, so for the spring and summer and most of the fall, I'm either going to have to manually mow the lawn uh, with this push mower." Once, you know, every four days or so, or I have to shovel New England snowstorms. No question. And I looked at those two options and I said, yeah, I'm going to do the push mower this year and get that snowblower. And let me tell you, that was a good decision. And anybody else in that same predicament, uh, I recommend, you know, I might not have needed it this year. It, I'm glad that it turns out that I did need it, but I would still be shoveling. Yeah, you if, would. Yeah, you you know what I mean? And like, to be fair, to be fair, I don't know anyone else, and maybe I haven't asked enough people, I don't know anyone else who mows their lawn once every four days. That's a Papa Manson thing. That's a... Your father has an inordinate affinity for lawn care, and he's passed it on to you. Because, uh, well, the only people you know, well, okay, not that you know, the only people that we mutually know with houses and lawns do not take care of them no, in the. When we slightest. go to Tall Guy's house, it's often that this grass is like up to my knees. Well, I okay, I a correction. Because I don't mean to imply that GQ doesn't care for his lawn. I don't know what he does. But every time I've been to his place, it looks reasonable enough. The t- Yes. But the tall guy, I mean, I think he must mow that thing once a season. It's essentially a hayfield now at this point. Correct. Correct. Anyways, I'm sorry. You were trying to get onto the, 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 uh, the piece moment of positivity. Of positivity I've already so. said... 
Sunday to Tuesday, three great days of wrestling. I'm being brought. If you'd like to be more specific, please do so. Um, I am going to go ahead and say the return of Emma. Vindication. Vindication. Vindication is exactly what I said was going to happen. And, you know, I think it's going to be much better overall for everyone involved. So, hooray! Let's move forward from here. And, you know, if she's going to feud with Bailey after WrestleMania, I I can't wait to see it. That would be the best thing to do with this is be like, all right, this bombed. You know, my worry is she's going to disappear completely, which is the more likely Uh, situation is that this is. Yeah, I mean, and you're totally right. So, you know, she's going to go back to this thing, the dancing thing now, (laughs) because they they took all this time to, you know, an effort in. And then whether it's she chose not to do it or she tried to do it and it didn't work. Neither of which are super yeah. positive, but I hope they make lemonade out of this and she just becomes a destroyer a la Samoa Joe, which is the only way to salvage this. All right. Uh, either way, we have salvaged, I think, a tremendous podcast for number 70. We're at 70. We are approaching We wow. are approaching 100, although I think if we add the private earfuls and things, we've done over 100 podcasts. But DDT, DDT 100 will be an event, an event event. Yes, it will. And may I also say, uh, before we start wrapping things up here, uh, I also recorded a Doc Talk so earlier this week. So I heard. And that will be being released uh, to the airwaves probably this weekend. So look forward to that with my very special guest at Rachel Noel. Is it Rachel Noel or Rach Noel? You're right. It's Rach Noel. She's so special. You don't even know her Twitter address. I'm bad at social media. What do you want from me? I can't even remember what Chris I want the weekly wrestling news. And he's like the best guy on Twitter. Wrestling news. That's what I want. I want the weekly wrestling news. Yeah, well. And I want seven days to die. Well, uh, well, funny you should bring that up. Uh, I am recording tonight on a computer that is sort of jury rigged together with (laughs) duct tape at this point. My CPU fan died earlier this week, and I had to rip it out of there and replace it with a, a case fan. So it, it's working. We're up and running. It's fine. But, I mean, this thing is just literally falling apart around well, me at this again, point. So we will record that podcast where you talk us through the building of a computer and the thought process that goes into it. Hours of fun. Hours. Hours. DDTWrestling at gmail.com. Leave us a review on iTunes. Go to DDTPod.com. Join the craziness. Buy our merch. New Age Insiders at Pro Wrestling Tees. Uh, Doc has an Instagram, apparently. Uh, follow- what? Nothing. New Age Insiders at Pro Wrestling Tees is like not even Pro Wrestling- close Pro- to the right address. I'm assuming most people know what I'm talking about. ProWrestlingTees.com slash New Age Insiders. Is that better? Yeah, that's that's actually a place where they could procure our merchandise. So, yeah, I think that's a little bit better. Thanks. <laughs> I love you, DC. You're great. Oh, you're so good. I love He's you. He's Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I'm DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI. <laughs> and until we meet again, my friends. 
We will see you around the neighborhood.